The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. Welcome to another edition of Roundball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation like the intro says. So check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos online, SportsEthos.com. Definitely great content there, not just on the basketball side, not just on baseball, football, free bets, fantasy, rookies. You want it, they have it. Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Sports Ethos online, SportsEthos.com. All right, y'all, today is one of those wonderful days in between the NBA Finals games that remind you that, yes, we are headed very soon to a, a life without NBA basketball, at least for summer. Still great basketball to be had. WNBA season is in full swing. The big three starts just under just under two weeks. So still a lot of good basketball magic to be had. I'm sure the basketball tournament will pop up there like it usually does. Not professional, but you get what I'm coming from. The point being, there's going to be great basketball to watch. But it won't be the NBA. And you know what? That's okay. Because that means offseason. And I love offseason. Offseason is amazing for a number of reasons. One, the, 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 the crackpot GM in me. Is that what you say? Crackpot? No. The the armchair. There you go. The armchair uh, general manager. There you go. The armchair general manager in me loves to create these fake trades that will say who would win. And there's obviously a clear winner and a clear loser. But in my brain, I'm thinking it's equal for both sides. The guy that likes to hang around fanspo or the guy who loves to play basketball GM and I'll go and, you know, simulate thousands of off-seasons in, in the blink of a knot on your phone put it on, app, play it, boom. Okay, what if we trade Russell Westbrook for Giannis? Nope, can't do that. What? That's me. That's me. It's just the, the, the fantasy part of the NBA fan in myself who loves to just mess around. Um, and you know what? The NBA offseason is a sandbox to do so. But it all starts with the draft. Draft lottery was the first domino to fall, seeing where teams landed, um, who would pick where, all of that. We have that sorted out now, right? Orlando Magic will pick first in the draft. Boom. Now comes the actual draft in just under two weeks. So now we actually get to see who's going where. Then, week after that, free agency, baby. One of my favorite, favorite days. Free agency night. That's a day, a day for a night for me. It's draft night. That's a night for me. Opening season, of course. Trade deadline. These are four days I take off on my job. Like, I take off. Or I leave early because taking a whole day off for stuff that happens in the evening isn't that smart. But whatever. The point being, it's a day I set aside. It's a day that I'm like, okay, Corbin, this is your life right here. This is what you're here for. Even though all it is is me putting out a podcast like this, uh, maybe join a couple uh, chat rooms, maybe, you know, going doing a live appearance or whatever. It's nothing too crazy, but still, it's everything because this is, I love this stuff. This is the passion. It's basketball, you know? So I say all that, this is the rather long preamble to the Round Ball Ramble Mock Draft 1.0, because we have to crack into this, and what we're going to do it is by starting our own draft, right? I'm going to mock draft the first round. We're just going to go into it. Picks I want to talk about more, I'm going to talk about more. Picks I don't got a little lot to say, I'm just going to say the team, save my pick, and keep that thing moving. Uh, we're going to do one every week from now on till the draft, and then one just before draft night, because I'm crazy like that. So I think we'll get uh, a two. 
If I go 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, you know, we'll make it happen. But it should be a lot of fun. Um, I might switch up my philosophy. In fact, I want to have more of these conversations in the offseason about, you know, whether teams should pick for best player available or whether the team should pick for fit. Right now, I kind of did a mix of both uh, for this first round, I, for this first mock draft. I looked at these teams. I looked at players I thought would, would make the fit, and then I tried to make that happen, you know. Um, and ones that I think are going to be traded, they don't have the most... I, I want to say accurate pick or accurate selection in that case because I don't think they're going to make that pick. I really think they would trade it. I just don't have a trade outline for it. I'm not uh, like my good friend Simon Sheridan Gordon who did a whole mock offseason or my, or my friend uh, Stephen Bagel who did the same thing. I don't know all the machinations for all of the teams everywhere. I'm not going to pretend to do so. I would love to. I will absorb that content eagerly, but that's not where I'm at right now. So, if I think a team's going to make a trade, I'm just going to say, listen, I think a team's going to make a trade. I might go into it, but I'm not like, I think they're going to make a trade, the fourth pick to Atlanta for John Collins and um, Bogdan Bogdanovich because the Kings are the Kings and they want Bogdan. I'm not doing all that. If I have an idea, I'll throw it out there, but just letting y'all know. So yeah, without further ado, it's almost been five minutes of a, of a elongated intro here. Let's get to it. And with the first pick, the Orlando Magic. Select Jabari Smith Jr., the power forward out of Auburn. Talked about him on last show. Jabari Smith Jr. at 6'10", 220 pounds, is a lengthy, athletic shooter. The dude shoots the rock like a few others do. Uh, in this draft, there's probably three or four guys I referenced again last show that my friends uh, from Upside Swings podcast named like three or four guys that they would like as better shooters. But for my money, like looking at Jabari Smith, that shot is butter. That shot is smooth. You can set a clock to it. All right, and the guy lives in a pinch post area, mid-range, elbow, free throw line extended, all the way out to three. He can shoot three from up top. He can shoot three from the wings. He can shoot three from the corners. He can shoot three from real deep. And that sort of shooting that you get from a player of that size unlocks a whole lot of lineups, I think, for Orlando, especially for a team like the Magic who have a plethora of guards. You know, you look at uh, just your recent pick, Jalen Suggs. You look at Markel Fultz. You look at Cole Anthony. You look at R.J. Hampton. They got a lot of guys who play that guard position. You still got to um, figure out what to do in terms of how those guys find their role. You know, is Cole Anthony going to be a gunner off the bench? Is Markel Fultz a, a part of this team's long-term feature? Still just, what, 24? Is um, Jalen Suggs better on ball or off ball? He shot horrifically his rookie year. Is that going to get better? Obviously you hope so, but then where is that line to more on ball or more of an off ball player? You got to figure all that out. So you're not going with the, with the, with the guard, obviously on this pick, right? You look at a Chet Holmgren. I like him. I don't have any, I have uh, concerns with the frame because I think that anyone who them concerned, like you are going to be concerned. You're going to be curious. I'll talk about Chet in a minute here. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not like over here going, Oh my God, he'll barely hold up. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll talk about Chet in a minute here, but I like what Chet brings. And, you know, uh, Orlando GM, John Hammond, like, he's a perfect uh, uh, fit in terms of length. Being one of those long guys who would, who Orlando just seems to love, you know, historically. Um, at least under this current regime. So you have that as well. Uh, he's someone who will pass better than he did in Gonzaga. Someone who can score a little bit as well. But I don't think that he's someone that, I, I, he's going to be, at best in my mind, like a secondary offensive player. You know, like, that's his peak. I think Jabari right now is definitely going to be a secondary offensive player on account of his issues. I'll get to that in a second. But, like, what I like about him is right now he can bring in score. He can do that easily. 
stretching out the floor and pick and pop situations, floor floor spread situations, being able to work better with the Wendell Carter Jr., um, who obviously Orlando extended and is still on the roster as at the at the five. Jabari can play the four. I think that you could have uh, Jabari Smith and, and Mo Bamba if you wanted to keep Mo Bamba. Um, if you're Orlando, uh, front court, I think that would be cool. Yeah, again, uh, you're protecting the basket. You're stretching the floor on the offensive end from deep. Like that's like a evolutionary twin towers kind of thing. I doubt Orlando keeps Mobamba, but I'm just saying, like Jabari Smith fits there. Uh, if Orlando were to make a run out of DeAndre Ayton, Jabari Smith fits alongside him too. Like Jabari is that type of player, I think, that regards to the roster is going to be a perfect fit. And if you believe in the upside, and I do believe in the upside, him being able to add a little bit of a dribble to his shot, you know, add a little dribble game. Right now, if he's taking more than three dribbles, <laughs> I don't like where it's going. But initially, you know, one dribble, bam, two dribble, pull up, bam. Like, I, I referenced again in the scouting report, I like what he does in, 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 in limited motion. So there's a little studio space for him to explore there. He can play off the guards well. They can feed off of him as well. I think it works out best for both. So with the first overall pick, the Orlando Magic will select Jabari Smith Jr. And you know what? I'm I'm pumped with that pick, honestly. I'm pumped if I'm Orlando. So now we get to the second pick. And with the second pick in the 2022 NBA Draft, I'm not going to do this every pick, y'all. The Oklahoma City Thunder will select Chet Holmgren. 7-foot, 195-pound power forward slash center from Gonzaga. And I actually like Chet's fit here for sure. I think that you have someone who, at 7 feet, is a great finisher around the rim. Like, the opposite of Jabari in terms of, and I mentioned this before, I want you to check out my scout report episode, so I'm not going to do a whole scout report on Jabari right now. But long story short, for someone at 6'10 in Jabari, he's not the best at finishing around the rim, not the best at taking contact, whereas Chet is great at finishing around the rim, and although I have concerns about his, like, frame moving forward, because I don't have a good, um... I, I like to have a player comp. I think that if you have a, a guy who you've not seen before, like like a Zion, that came with questions injury-wise, frame-wise, you know what I mean? Like, even comparing Zion to, like, Charles Barkley wasn't even remotely the same because of the freak of athlete that Zion was and is, you know what I mean? That type of force, that type of explosion on that type of frame was something we hadn't seen before. And with something we hadn't seen before after 75 years in the NBA, Yes, bodies change, all shapes and sizes, the basketball skill has is, is gotten different, but the point remains the same. If it's something I haven't seen before, I am concerned. It's my first time seeing it. And a guy like Chet, you haven't seen a guy like Chet before. Real thin. Yes, he comes with competitive fire. He comes with that passion. He ain't ducking no smoke. And he's tall enough to not even have to climb to get up the chimney. <laughs> but the bottom line is, bodies crumble despite a person's best intentions. Injuries derail everyone. Chet has not had a serious one coming up, um, but then again, I haven't really seen the type of just college bruisers like you will see with the Jokic's, with the Embiid's, and no, Chet will not be guarding those guys full-time, but like at a certain point, uh, you would expect him to guard one of the fives, not everyone's going to go small ball five on him, and so you do worry about those with the physicality uh, that might outweigh him, compared to Spirit be doggone. That's just my thoughts. Again, I, I don't I don't think that it's one of those things, well, I'm not going to draft him second because what about his size and his and his, and his frame? He's so thin. Like, come on now. Like, the guy is going to be a, a, at least, at the very least, a, 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 a 3 and D, uh, what, Rudy Gobert? Like a 3-point like a, a shooting Rudy or a 3-point shooting insert, 
your seven-foot guy who just protects the rim really well. Like, what he knows offensively is great. Innately, he knows where to be and how to block shots. Offensively, he can stretch the floor. I haven't seen the mid-range jumper too much, but you know he can shoot from three. You know, with his frame, I mean, with his size, he can finish around the basket well. He has great touch. So, you know that for a fact. That's worst-case scenario. Best-case scenario, you're looking at a guy who could be the best player in this draft class. Hands down. I mean, that's that's for him, that's for Jabari, in my opinion, and for maybe the next guy we'll talk about here. But that's what you could get best-case scenario. I just think he's a perfect fit for OKC, and and that's just my, that's why he's mocked second. But my concerns, I, I laugh at those people who go, oh, those people say that, oh, what about his weight are ridiculous? No, we're not. No, we're not. Because then when it happens, you'll be the same ones walking that crap back. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, um, we'll actually, you know, get out of here, man. Like, yes, you can be concerned about it. You can be tired of saying it, but it is what it is. Unless he comes back and he's looking like, I don't know, uh, uh, Flippin' Megatron, Transformer, I don't care. Unless he, like, demonstrably transforms his body, like, this is who he is. And so questions will come until we see it. There were questions about Porzingis, and there was injuries with Porzingis. And even that's not a perfect comp. So, I, I don't want to hear the discourse around this guy, and like, everybody want to be a judge of what you can and can't think. I can think what I want, quite frankly. And I think that Chess can be an amazing player, like most people do. And I also think that his frame leads questions, as other people do. And that is what it is. But, bottom line, Chet Holmgren going second to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, for the Houston Rockets... Going third, I got Paolo Bancaro out of Duke. Six foot ten, two fifty pound power forward, probably play small ball five. I like the fit of Bancaro here in Houston. I think that you have a guy who can soak up some offensive usage alongside a Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. First off, you gotta figure out how you're feeling about uh, Kevin Porter Jr. moving forward. He's extension eligible. Is he someone that you're going to kind of, you know, wait until uh, next year to kind of bring back or late next year? Is he someone that you're going to commit to moving forward? Do you look at him as a point guard of the future? Do you look at him as like a, a ball initiating type of um, secondary playmaker from the wing? Like, what do you think about Kevin Porter Jr.? That's the one thing I, I say you do. But almost conflicting that, I say you do not base your judgment on the entire Houston Rockets franchise moving forward in who you select with the number third pick on what you're doing with Kevin Porter Jr. Like, he's not that important. You know what I mean? Like, he's a piece of the pie, potentially, but he's not, like, the biggest piece. He's just, like, that little that little side, act, that little corner action there. You know? That, that's just what I think. And personally, how I would look at the Rockets. Because if you believe in Kevin Porter Jr., then you're not looking at, like, a Jay Nivey or another guard moving forward. But, again, he's not a Jalen Green, who is hands down, like, from what we saw the second half of the season, a key part of this Rockets team, the franchise player, uh, potentially, for this Rockets squad moving forward. But what you get with Paolo Bancaro is a guy who can score the rock, all right? He can finish around the basket. He can shoot from three, kind of streak from there, not a strong suit. He lives in the mid-range. He can get to his mid-range uh, game in a, in a song real quick. couple dribbles, lay you to sleep, step back at the whole mid-range package, right? Rebounds well. Plays dominant offensively. But also, his passing. Passing is sneaky good. He's really good at finding dump downs. He can do a little uh, pick and roll action. I'd love to see how he fits with Alperin Shingun, um, how he fits with Christian Wood for the time that Christian Wood has left in Houston. I would love to see some of that big on big uh, offensive action that you could definitely see Bancaro creating. Um, in addition to being someone else who can yet again, in addition to Jalen Green, be a guy you give the ball to and say, here, you know, take us home. Play through uh, a Bancaro in that mid post. Play through him like you would. Uh, I don't like the mellow comps or like maybe the Julius Randle comps, but I like my man Michael Beasley. 
Remember Michael Beasley from Kansas, early years in Miami? Like this athletic guy with great shooting touch, just this absolute bull in a china shop. But with some dexterity that you didn't expect for a guy his size, his frame. Bigger, bulkier, you know, takes up some space. I think that you get that with Ben Carroll. And I love his fit in Houston, uh, growing alongside these young guys. Him and Jalen Green, you pencil those two in. You do have to worry about Ben Carroll with his defense, for sure. Um, coming and going, his motor not being always active, kind of revving and idling every once in a while. Got to make sure he's consistent with that. I've heard some things through podcasts and stuff, which they tell you everything you need to know <laughs> about his, um, like, I guess, character issues. But I don't really put a whole sock in that. Lamella had character issues. Uh, guys have character issues. Like, what does that even mean? You know, like, are they good people? Are they, we have people who are amazing basketball players or horrible people by most people's estimation. I really put a whole lot of stock in that. Can you ball or will you not? Are you going to be someone that can, you know, anchor a team or can you not? That, that's how I look at it. Character issues come into play a little bit. Let me not, let me walk that back. But they're not the end-all, be-all, and I don't want to waste no more time on it. So, ultimately, I think Ben Carroll is a perfect fit for Houston. I like what you get there from the offensive side of the ball. I think it's a perfect fit. I think that he can help uh, Jalen Green out. Jalen Green can help him out as well. They can feed off each other. And now you have the backbone of the next great Houston Rockets team. So, Bancaro will go to Houston at third. With the fourth overall pick, we have the Sacramento Kings. And honestly, the Sacramento Kings, there's a real trade possibility here. Like, I question the right fit for Sacramento. Especially with them trying to win now, right? Because... Let's face it, it's Sacramento. <laughs> you know, like, this is what they do. Like, they kind of, like, linger around here. Um, when they get high draft picks, they don't really do a good job. Obviously, Marvin Bagley, sorry. But, like, you know, they, they have moments. And then when they do draft guys, you know, you've had Staskis. You've had issues. You've had some solid picks scattered here and there, but not, like, save the franchise. I mean, it's going on 17 years and no playoff appearances. So, you kind of get what you get there. Now, if I'm looking at Sacramento, Jaden Ivey's available, right? But we've already done this little point guard dance with the Kings last year, where you had De'Aaron Fox, where you had Tyrese Halliburton, and then you bring in Davion Mitchell. And we're like, okay, that's interesting. How's the three-guard lineup going to work? Oh, it'll work out whether you know, you're going to play all three in, in some lineups, whatever the case may be. Um, there was talk, I remember a great podcast, I think it was uh, Brendan Nunez of the Kings Herald, I want to say, um, that talked with a guest from the Thunder podcast about how you could have Davion Mitchell, um, Darren Fox, and Tyrese Halliburton play very similar to how that 2019-2020 uh, Oklahoma City Thunder team played with Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Like, it was interesting talk, you know? And then come the trade line, or just before it, Tyrese Halliburton jettisoned to Indiana for DeMontis a bonus. So, if I'm the Kings, like, am I now going to replace Tyrese Halliburton with another guard, a guard who in Jay Nivey is lightning quick, can get to the rim, um, athletically is explosive, reminds people of whether you ask whoever you ask, a Westbrook, a John Morant, a guy of that ilk. Like, would you pick that guy? Like, you would have the fastest backcourt alongside De'Aaron Fox? But then where does it leave Donovan, um, Davion Mitchell? Is he coming off the bench as a backup point guard? Is he playing as a shooting guard? Because all three of these guys, their iffiness kind of relies on the outside shot. Uh, Jay Nivey's had a tremendous shooting season the second half of the year, or the, the second part of this year, uh, but his first part first year wasn't super great so you have concerns about that right i don't know so the one i'm a little different i look at the guards i think sacramento should leave that alone i think they find let let sleeping dogs lie don't start no stuff there won't be no stuff right i look at the center spot and i keep on looking i look at the forward spot where i see you have harrison barnes uh you have of course uh, demontis bonus playing the five my bad also the four mo harkless in there like you got guys there so where i see weakness is really more of the three because depending on what you do with Dante DiVincenzo, 
Um, depending if you bring Jeremy Lamb back or one of your point guys I just mentioned is probably going to play some of the two. Where is that three? Like, who's playing the three? I don't see anyone long-term that's going to fit that mold. So, with the fourth pick, the Sacramento Kings are going to take Benedict Matherin from Arizona. Matherin, 6'6", 205 from shooting guard, small forward, kind of that perfect swingman type. Very, very solid shooter. Great athleticism. Can play with pace, which is going to be great when you're playing alongside De'Aaron Fox, run up and down the court. I can see spot opportunities galore for him. Uh, he's shown a little bit of intriguing second side ball handling as well. So he might get just a little bit of playmaking from there. Maybe some growing offensive game as he becomes more comfortable in the NBA. But defensively, someone's going to play his position well. Um, someone's going to be solid on that end of the floor as well and hold down that spot. You have someone who's going to come in and become a three potentially off the bat and show you some untapped potential because he can probably grow into more than just what he would be which is already a darn good fit for the Sacramento Kings in terms of someone who can shoot through the ball, play defense maybe run a pick and roll, maybe run into a little of the mid-range, but offensively he's a solid guy, and I like that, and I mean defensively the guy's solid as well, so this is what you want to do, I think there's talk of like Keegan Murray, I'll talk about him later um, there's talk about trading the pick, which I mean listen, if you find a fit that's better for you, you do that as well but for where I'm going with the round ball ramble mock draft 1.0, we take Ben to Matherin and we leaving y'all to the rest. All right, number five, Detroit Pistons. Now with them, I am taking Jaden Ivey. Uh, 6'4", 200 pounds from Purdue. Uh, love his speed, y'all. Love the way he gets up and down the floor. Gets folks involved. Lightning quick. Uh, much better shooter. Uh, defensively, at least can be active, and I think he's going to be a perfect fit alongside Cade Cunningham, especially since Killian Hayes just hasn't really knocked my socks off at the starting point guard position. I don't think it's because Cade doesn't need help in terms of running you know, the Pistons' offense. I just don't think Killian Hayes is that guy. Okay, so you bring another guy in Jaden Ivey who physically profiles through the roof, who I think can play perfectly alongside Cade, and I think is a match made in heaven. So I'm taking... Uh, Jaden Ivey, number five to Detroit. Now, Indiana's interesting. Indiana historically hasn't had this high a pick since 1989. So this is uncharted territory for them. And, of course, they would get the number six pick just outside of the big three, right? But you look at the team that, you know, injuries happen. uh, DeMontis Bonus and Miles Turner never really got to play together, and then they made a decision on one or the other. Uh, You get Tyrese Halliburton, a great young guard. You have Chris Duarte, who was really good last year as well um, as a rookie, as a more experienced rookie. So in this case, like, where do you go? Um, Building a team that probably will be competing again, you know, in that, I want to say, five to play in spot in the East. Well, with the sixth pick, I'm making the Indiana Pacers select Keegan Murray out of Iowa. 6'8", 215 pounds, just a solid all-around player. Gives you everything you want from a forward. Get the inside game. Get the outside game. Get some rebounding as well. You get a vet who I think, uh, not a vet, but an experienced player who I think is going to work really well in Coach Carlisle's system. And it's the type of player that Coach Carlisle likes. These heady guys who can just come in, know their role, play off of other people, shine in their own position, and and just play decent Indiana basketball. Formerly decent bad Dallas basketball. Formerly decent Detroit basketball. Point being, Keegan Murray is that guy. In my opinion, I think it will work perfectly for Indiana. He could honestly fit with Sacramento as well, um, or even the next team I'm going to talk about here. But I like him specifically in Indiana. All right, number seven, Portland Trail Blazers. Now, there's a team, again, just like Indiana. Doesn't really want to be here. There's always one or two teams, of course, that are contenders or in that ilk or just shy of that ilk that because of injuries, you know, slow star, whatever the case may be, find themselves in the bottom. And with the Blazers, of course, you have the injury to Damian Lillard that 
not only took him out for a chunk of time, but then they were like, hey, we've already lost a whole mess of games. Why don't you rest up a little bit, Dame? Let's preserve that body. You know, Anthony Simons, come take a seat next to him, man. Join him a little bit. Oh, oh, hey, you seven Americans, I see you. Oh, your hand hurts. A week, let's make that three weeks, honey. Come over here. And then you kind of extend that out, and then you lose some games, and you hopefully try to get a number one, two, three, four pick. But you didn't. You got a number seven pick, which is disappointing, because right here is not going to be like a star is born. At least not that I see. But you can still get an intriguing piece. And for me, the first thing I'm trying to do if I'm Portland is trade this pick. See if you could get, uh, I would say, a John Collins. I've heard Jeremy Grant. I don't feel like Jeremy Grant is the needle mover that people think Jeremy Grant is. Definitely not for a championship team. Like, maybe for, like, a playoff team, yes. We've seen him in Denver. We've seen him in Oklahoma City. But, like, if you think Jeremy Grant is the missing piece, um... Listen, I need you to find me a woman, because then I need her to think I'm the missing piece, okay? I'm just saying, like, if you think so, come talk to me. Let's make some plans to sell me as the missing piece for somebody else, because ultimately, I just don't see it with Jeremy Grant. Perfectly good pick, perfectly good player, rather, um, not worth the seventh overall pick for me. So the first thing I'm trying to do is get rid of that pick. If I could do a John Collins package, if I could do um, a player who I know is going to come in and make more of an immediate impact, then that's what I'm going with. But barring that, if I cannot, I'm going to take Jalen Duran. 6'11", 250-pound player, center out of Memphis. I think you look at Yusef Durk and you go, hey, he's had some injury issues. He's clashed a little bit with Terry Stotts and just some personality culture stuff. You know, he's a moody guy, and that worked okay when we were winning, but honestly, when we haven't been winning too much, um, he's not really worth the trouble. Do I really want to extend him as he leaves his 20s and goes to his 30s? Eh, probably not, right? So... Time to go. You know, CJ McCollum went. This era is over. Yusef, thank you so much for what you've done for Portland. Goodbye. And then bring in Jalen Duran, this 18-year-old man-child with a physical profile that is just immense, man. The guy is like, just like a built-in baby Hulk, right? He can automatically play off the pick and roll. You know, he's already flashed some intriguing passing um, at that big spot. Just some extra looks to the corners and big-to-big passing. That you're like, okay, I might be able to work with that. He's uncorked his jump shot that he should probably go back and recork. But the fact that he has shown something from there, I think it's potential that, hey, with an actual NBA shooting coach, let's refine that a little bit. Let's get that comfortable. Let's see if we can make that, you know, this this the very tertiary part of your game and then maybe grow it out later. Like, that's something that potentially is there. At least he's, he's going to take it. He's not not going to take it. His shot isn't exactly like, I'm trying to think of another center who, took a couple jump shots that went in that he shouldn't have taken. Um, Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside's jump, if you've seen it, it's like, whoa, no, thank you. But, like, it's gone in every once in a while over the years, you know, and he's not afraid of taking it from the elbow if he sees it. Um, I think that Jalen Duran's jumper is not quite at the Hassan Whiteside, no, 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 oh, it went in, I guess, level, but it's not that far from it either. So, point being, give him some coaching, some development. The dude is still 18, I mean, he's going to be 19 all of next year. Like, give him a way to just really progress and learn in the NBA system. And you have some untapped potential there that I'd be really, really intrigued to work with on Portland. Or, at the very least, take that, work with a half a year, and, and then maybe you could package Duran with some other players to get a more win-now player. Um, whatever Portland decides to do. Maybe they realize, hey, there's no avenues for us to really compete around Dame, and so we have to trade him. That's a thought as well. I'm not saying it's a thought that you should or shouldn't take, but it's an option, right? So, seventh pick, I have the Blazers taking Duran if they do not trade that pick for a win-now upgrade. Eighth pick, the New Orleans Pelicans. This is probably my favorite dude in this draft. You look at the Pelicans, uh, right now, if they had a projected starting five, you got four guys down off the top. You have 
Um, Jonas Valanciunas at the five. You got Zion Williamson returning, fully healthy, fully clear at the four. You got Brandon Ingram at the three. You got um, CJ McCollum playing that combo guard spot, point, the shooting guard. He's the ball handler. We need one more guy like that, one more additional shooter, one more guy who creates his own offense, one more guard who can play some really dogged defense, will compete, will have that energy, can create shots in the mid-range alongside a Zion, uh, well, not a Zion, but alongside a CJ McCollum and a Brandon Ingram. And if I look at that guy in this draft, I look at that gamer, I look at that Wisconsin Badger, I'm looking at Johnny Davis, the 6'5", 195 swing man. I like what he brings to the table. Like, yes, his three-point shot wasn't super great, just 30% of the year, but you think in time with better spacing, better teammates, that he's going to be a lot more um, able to focus on his shot. His shot looks nice. He had to make a lot of tough middies. Had to work himself in a lot of tough middies. And I think a lot of that was because, hey, like the space wasn't available for other teammates to really thrive. So I got to do what to do, baby. I got to cook. And that's what he did. Now imagine him with more spacing. Imagine him uh, getting some space off of a Zion uh, Williamson pick. Like, look at the type of offense that might be created and rub your hands together in anticipation, ladies and gentlemen. Because I think Johnny Davis would be a perfect fit with the New Orleans Pelicans at eight. I love the potential there from him and the fact that, like I said, he's not just score first guy. Nah, he plays defense, he gets after it. All right? He's going to bring the energy from the opening tap until the final whistle. The guy's going to get it. And I think on a New Orleans team that is on the rise, that is on the come up, that just had a nice playoff experience and they want more of that, I think Johnny Davis is going to fit perfectly, just sit right in. So Johnny Davis, I have number eight to the New Orleans Pelicans. Number nine, San Antonio Spurs. Listen, I feel bad for the Spurs. I know they really wanted to get that difference maker that's been their Achilles heel in the past. DeJounte Murray, solid player. Kelvin Johnson, solid solid player. Um, Yaku Pertle, solid player. But who's that guy? Who's that 10-pole guy that the Spurs are going to, like, build their team around? That we saw for a very short time with Kawhi. That we saw before that with Tim Duncan. Before that with David Robinson. Who is that new guy? Because we haven't had that. And we're not getting that now. <laughs> but um, in the meantime, between time, I think the San Antonio Spurs should select Dyson Daniels, the six foot seven uh, forward, 195 pounds from the G League Ignite. I think what you get from Dyson Daniels is someone who defensively is smart. His basketball IQ is through the roof. Offensively uh, talented from a passing perspective, from a rebounding perspective, getting into your offense, um, scoring around the basket. If he's shooter, still growing on that end for sure. But Jeffy like the improvement and, and, and the way that he approaches the game. Um, like I said, that IQ on both ends of the floor stands out. Uh, we saw a lot of that during the All-Star game. I've seen that a lot watching G League Ignite games. And I think you will most definitely see that in the San Antonio Spurs system. Whether or not that's with Greg Popovich or not, that I think will really help him flourish. And do I expect him to be the guy you build the Spurs around? No, I do not, personally. But, I mean, it's possible, I guess, right? But even if not, it's still a nice fit for a Spurs team that at this point we're still just trying to get good, got a lot of questions moving forward um, in terms of, you know, whether we're going to retool around different players, uh, restricted free agency decisions, John T. Murray's here, a guy, his value's really high after the year he's had, do we want to trade him, even though it might be painful, there's a lot of questions there, but in the meantime, between time, I think you take Dyson Daniels of San Antonio, and I feel you're pretty happy with that result. All right, all right, all right, let's blast through a few more here, a little bit of rapid fire, well, not really rapid fire, but at least quicker than I've been going. Um, we're at number 10 with the Washington Wizards, and we know that they need help in the backcourt. Whether or not they keep Bradley Beal, which is a question in and of itself, totally different conversation for another day. We will have it because I don't know if you want to really commit financially the type of money you're really going to have to commit to to a decent shooting guard, I would say upper echelon, but like, you know, B plus, A minus shooting guard, whose three-point shooting is slumped and injuries have definitely occurred to the last couple of years of his career. Do you then want to say, hey, 
I want to invest X amount of money. It seems very John Wall 2-ish to me. So that's a question. But one, whether you you know decide to retain Bradley Beal on that massive uh, Supermax contract. Two, if you don't, who are you building around? Right? And three, uh, what, what is your positioning? Are you trying to be a comp- competitive team? Are you trying to regroup and, and build around a younger core with your two forwards, Denny Avija and Rui Hachimura? Um, you still have... Um, like those two is your building blocks potentially, but do you really think they're building blocks? Because I think they're like perfectly serviceable forwards, but I don't see like star in the making there. A lot of questions to Washington. Long story short, here's where I go with Washington. I think that of all uh, their need or all their areas of need, I even mentioned Kyle Kuzma, who will be a free agent after this next year, and you'll also decide whether to commit to him financially or not. I look at Washington and I go, okay, you know what? Of all the pieces I'd like them to target, I want them to get a guard, you know, a guard that you could say, hey, let's just have this guy, let's either build around him or see how he works with Bradley Beal, we've gone through uh, several different point guards, you had, well, four, in the last four years, you had John Wall, the last remnants of John Wall, then you had this point guard by committee system that really didn't work, um, then you had Russell Westbrook for a year, and, and then now you've had um, Spencer Dinwiddie for a year, or for most of a year, all that to middling to no success, right, go with the unknown. Go with someone who could be a massive piece. I mean, you're not really moving the needle any which way. Go with Shaden Sharp. That's why I have the Wizards taking with the number 10 pick. Shaden Sharp, shooting guard from Kentucky, despite never playing a game with them. 6'6", 200 pounds, freshman, 19. Athletically, you know, he fits the profile of an intriguing shooting guard, you know. He has the size. Uh, he's able to get to the basket. He has a good-looking shot. The bottom line and the real issue is he hasn't played college at all. This is all from high school tape after having a year kind of just sitting around. I'm not sitting around in, like, not sitting around um, literally, but I'm saying, like, we haven't seen him play against college competition, much less the NBA, you know? And from what you saw in high school, I, we've seen some direct from high school players in the past. Shane Sharp doesn't look like one of those guys. You know, Kobe, you know, uh, T-Mac, guys like that, that's like, oh, wow, okay, you know, like, straight from straight from high school, that can be done. Um, I don't see that in Shane Sharp. I see a very solid potential shooting guard, and, and the key word is potential, and mind you, that's what Sharp and his camp have been trying to keep, potential, that's the buzzword there, but that's all I've seen, so I don't know, um, I just think if you're Washington, why not, take a chance with a, with a blue chip potential, the blue chip player, that you've never had, um, with the side from Beal and Wall, that you can go, okay, hey, he's unknown, and yeah, he may just be another subpar to poor piece for us, but let's build on that potential, because we don't really have a lot of that right now. All of our team is known quantities, and that's why we've always been, we always are. The, you know, dregs of the Eastern Conference just above the lottery teams, just below the playoff teams, fighting for your playoff life, and winning or losing that. Why not? Number 11. The New York Knicks. The New York Knicks need a point guard. So I'm going to put them up with one that I like. Ty Ty Washington. Point guard from Kentucky. Lovely brings to the table, uh, 6'4", 197 pounds, lightning quick, good mid-range shot. Got to work on his three-point shooting. Uh, defensively, I think he has some potential there, but he's someone that can go and Kibley man that spot while also not really taking too much away from a Julius Randle, from a R.J. Barrett. Guys, we're going to command more usage of the ball. I just like the fact you have a young guard that you can keep. When's the last time the Knicks had a young point guard? I can't think of it. Um... Do you consider the Jeremy Lin uh, experience that? I don't know. There's been a lot of older guards, retreads, players of that ilk. Now with Ty Ty, you have someone you can say, okay, you know what, I like his size, I like his ability to get to the rim, I like his mid-range shot, let him be that guy. 
and there you go. So I have him at 14. Or not him at 14. I have him in my big board at 14. There, I buried the lead there. But I have him at 11 going to the Knicks, just for fit. Number 12, Oklahoma City. I look at them, and I look at a team that can benefit from some additional shooting. You don't really want anyone to infringe on the guards you have with Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Josh Giddy. We now know that Chet Holmgren, well, we know in my mock draft that Chet Holmgren is there. So why not get a guy to space the floor and make the starting five look a little more cohesive? Let's go for A.J. Griffin, the small forward from Duke. A.J. Griffin uh, at 6'6", 222 pounds, stocky guy. Uh, the wide, wide base on his jumper, but it's gold. That thing goes in. It goes in pretty well. Uh, he's had some injury issues in the past. How his body responds um, from that time. Can he maybe show some more upside? Maybe be a little bit more explosive? That'd be great. But if not, I still think you have good value at, at, at number 12 uh, with the guy who brings you some size. Uh, is a definite three uh, in this NBA and uh, one of the better shooters in this draft. Absolutely. You swing for the fences with that, and that's a nice pick. I like A.J. Griffin slipping to OKC there. Number 13, Charlotte. It's been talked about for a minute, but they need a big. They need a big. The Plumlee brothers ain't going to do it. The Zellers are no longer going to do it. You have Lamella Ball. You have to worry about um, bringing back Miles Bridges. You got a young uh, group of guys. I mean, Terry Rozier isn't young, but he's not old either. Point being, you need a guy who can run with these guys. A dog, if you will. A center who's going to know his role, protect the basket, dunk everything he gets, play above the rim, give you that vertical uh, floor spacing. And that's what they're going to get with Mark Williams from Duke. 6'10", 20 years old, 242 pounds, uh, 11 boards, 11 points and 7 boards a game at Duke. I think you're going to get someone who knows his role, who's just going to give you that. And that's solid, and that's fine. You're not, you're not getting a star at this level. In fact, I mean, it's been a couple of picks since <laughs> there's been a, a star. But you're talking about a guy who could be a star in his role? I absolutely think Mark Williams can do that, and I like his fit at with Charlotte at number 13. Number 14, Cleveland. This is for you. And I look at Cleveland and I say, hey, you know what? We got some guards. You know, we we, 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 we just got Karis Avert at the trade deadline. We already know what Darius Garland's going to do. We have interesting questions concerning Colin Sexton. But our big situation right now is looking high, you know? Uh, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, we got that locked down. So maybe I can get a forward in there. Maybe I can get someone to kind of swing in that area. Uh, maybe more of a power forward, but a guy who can, you know, be a versatile athlete. Uh, someone who can kind of cover a little bit of everything on the floor. And for that, I'm looking at Jeremy Sohan um, out of Baylor. Uh, 6'10", 230, uh, a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades in that way. I don't think he's going to slip this far in real life, but just in my draft so far, I do like him going to Cleveland at 14. I think it's a nice fit, um, additional size, especially since you got a guy in Isaac Okoro who kind of plays that wing position but isn't really that good of a shooter and you're going to make a decision on him pretty soon uh, in regards to restricted free agency, extension talk, all of that. So get a guy in there that you can test alongside and see uh, where you go. But you're locking down that role. You know, I like that option. And then shooting guard-wise, you know, you can figure it out between uh, Levert, who's still in the contract, of course, and Con Sexton, who uh, is going to be a restricted free agent. So that is where I have for Cleveland. Number 15, Charlotte. We back. You know what? I almost want to do a trade. But, you know, it's mock, it's mock draft 1.0. We'll switch it up. Mock draft 2.0 next time. But I'm going to go uh, with Charlotte. Let's go Malachi Branham. Branham, the shooting guard from Ohio State. Love what he's able to do in the mid-range. Love his ability to get to the basket. Just your, stare, uh, uh, your prototypical shooting guard, 6'5", 180. A nice, solid athlete. Doesn't do more than asked. And not asked a lot. Just be able to put the ball in the basket. A uh, couple assists a game. Good rebounder. Decent player. Why not? Again, uh, you have a contract in, in, in um, 
Terry Rozier, excuse me, that you might be trying to move potentially. Uh, and this guy's another younger player who could fit in alongside LaMelo Ball uh, and, and play that shooting guard position. I do like the fit there of Malachi Branham, Branham going to Charlotte, number 15. Number 16, Atlanta. Now, Atlanta can go a number of, uh, of places here. It depends on what they do with John Collins, if he's a fit for them any longer. I'm under the, um, I'm going to be going under the assumption that Atlanta tries to move on from John Collins, in which case, if they do, I like EJ Liddell, the power from, from Ohio State, uh, 6'7", uh, decent player in general. Maybe I wouldn't call him um, a John Collins light, but what I would say is that he's somebody who his profile is solid like physically um his frame he loves to use his strength you know he's able to hold his own the low post he's efficient from the perimeter not really the quickest but he can average some blocks um shot 49 percent from three uh 49 uh, from the field 37 percent from three like this is a solid all-around player i like his ability to fit alongside this younger atlanta hawks team because i imagine that they're going to make some changes they, they they probably stayed pat a little bit too much and if they do make a move it seemed like john collins one of the bigger players uh to to reap a, a, a good return for them so i do have ej liddell uh finding his way with the atlanta hawks at number 16 number 17 houston rockets up to bat. And you know what I have them taking? Let's get some more shooting over here. Let's go with Patrick Baldwin Jr. Now, Patrick Baldwin Jr. is probably going to drop a little bit later, but I do think that this one season he had, the season from H-E double Milwaukee, <laughs> was going to be a lot, uh, it's not representative of his, of his game. Uh, 6'9", 220, silky smooth shooter, did not reflect that. Shot under 30% from three, playing for his dad in, like I said, a horrific uh, college season. But I do think that there's hope for significant upside there. And I think you put him in a situation in Houston where he's not going to have a lot of pressure. You know, space the floor. Uh, you're, he's not able to do too much with the ball right now, as is anyway, and that's fine. You have enough guys who can handle the ball uh, between, of course, Jalen Green, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., and earlier drafted in the mock, Paulo Bancaro. So just saw it in the corners where you're a really solid shooter, knock. The, just shoot the lights out and then be someone who can use your length on the defensive end to at least hold your position playing between the three and the four. Uh, definitely like Patrick Baldwin there. I just like the type of player that he is. And again, it's how much stock do you put in how bad his year was in Milwaukee because it was pretty darn awful. But again, I'm not putting that much into it. I'm going to say that the fit wasn't there. The talent around him wasn't great. And also, he's just not that guy to go, you know, put the team on my back. I'm lead y'all. That's not him. And that's great because in Houston, he's not going to be asked to be that guy. They already got one, at this point, maybe two people who are capable of pulling that load. So I'm definitely happy to put uh, uh, Mr. Baldwin over with the Houston Rockets. The 18th pick goes to Chicago. And for Chicago, I'm going to take a player I think will help them out. I'm going to bring them uh, Tory Eason. Of the small forward from LSU, 6'8", 216. Small forward, power forward, average just under 70 points a game, six rebounds per game. A guy who plays well in transition, very good defensively. Not the greatest of shooters, like, in general. He'll knock down a three or two, um, but not the greatest of shooters there. But a guy who I think can, you know, be a defensive stopper for a Bulls team that has to, you know, see a Kevin Durant. That's to see Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's to see a Jimmy Butler, you know, that runs into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And the Bulls have not been well-equipped to stop those guys. You had uh, Patrick Williams, who's injured most of the year. Alonzo uh, Ball, same thing. Alex Crusoe, also injured and undersized. And then you're putting a lot of minutes to DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, who defensively, eh. No, I'm just kidding. Defensively, uh. So, <laughs> Tari Easton, I think you get that guy who doesn't need the ball. Uh, can get to the free throw line, 
uh, decent free throw shooter, uh, someone who, again, it, it can just create havoc, create havoc on the defensive side of the ball, and if he can improve his off-ball shooting, he's going to be a fine, fine player. He's going to be a solid player without that, but if he can improve his ability to knock down the outside shot off the catch, you know, spot up in the corners, you have yourself one of the best 3 and D players in this draft. So I like Tari Eason going to Chicago. Next up, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, this is where I normally would have went with e, um, EJ Liddell. I took EJ Liddell a little bit sooner. I probably would have went for EJ Liddell in this one. But um, barring that, I'm going to be looking more at Uzman Dieng. Uzman Dieng uh, played Australia with the NZ Breakers, uh, 6'10", 205. And I, I look at Dieng, and he's someone whose jump shot was rough first starting out. It was not... It, it took a minute for it to get going. I feel like everyone, what was Lamelo was out there, like Australia, RJ Hampton's out there. Your jumpers, it, it doesn't always translate up there in. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't always translate up there in uh, in Australia. But coming back, at least Lamelo's came back. RJ's still working on his. But you look at Dieng. Uh, I don't know if he's a part. If he's a great power forward, and that's the biggest position need to Minnesota in my book. But six ten, seven zero wingspan. Yeah, a little light in the shorts at two sixteen. But I like his ability to play in the pick and roll, uh, be another offensive initiator, which is great because you don't really need that when you have uh, Anthony Edwards on ball a lot and, of course, uh, Carlton Towns. And depending on what you do with, um, excuse me here, D'Angelo Russell, who, whether you choose to extend him, he is going to last of his contract. Do you ride that as expiring or do you trade him? He's up in the air. So you get some more playmaking at a different position with Dieng, who has a great feel off the pick and roll, able to navigate all three levels nice um, and get to where he wants to go. He has some scoring upside. He's shown flashes of scoring at all three levels. Again, his jump shot did not work really well the first half of the year in Australia. It did pick up a little bit in the second half of the season, but Basically, it was pretty streaky, so you're not getting a whole lot there, um, at least initially. Defensively, I like the way he uses length and the fact that he's pretty active on that end, good lateral movement, and you give it to a Minnesota team that can benefit from that, and I think he kind of thrives in that role. They already have a Jared Vanderbilt, a Jaden McDaniels. They have these lanky kind of 3-4, mostly 3, but swing the 4 kind of hybrid types, and I think we had another one in Dieng over there with them. Now, is that the ideal role for him? No, you probably want another guy bigger. Again, EJ Liddell would be a bigger body to bang and play that 4 position, but if he's gone already, I like Dieng's fit here, especially being a young player with a ton of potential, and honestly, in my opinion, one of the higher ceilings in this draft class. So, I take Usman Dieng to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, right number 20, San Antonio is back in the building. We back. And I'm going to go with Trevor Keels. Small forward from Duke, 6'5", 221. Another solid player. It's not really an upside play too much, in my opinion. But I think you know what you're going to get when you um, have a Trevor Keels on your team. And that's just a solid player across the board. Um, He definitely slots in as a wing. Um, In my opinion, just kind of thick frame, uh, maybe more of a two guard, he can kind of be a spot up, a spot up guy, maybe as a point guard, but I wouldn't put him on ball as much, but, I mean, he played it in college, uh, cable spot up shooter, uh, takes care of the ball, like I said, when he had the ball, he took care of it, a bigger playmaker at 6'5", uh, almost reminds me of a Rodney Stuckey, a solid rebounder, uh, efficiency, you know, wasn't super great, jump shooting, but, like, can score at all three levels, you know, um, I just don't like him at either guard position, because the passing and speed doesn't really make him a lead ball handler, it's not quite there, but then he's kind of small 
and outside shooting is iffy to be like a shooting guard, but he can kind of fill a jack of all trades. Let's say you go small ball lineup and he has the frame to play the three in that type of matchup. I do think I like Trevor Keels in San Antonio. I doubt he goes there, but the player development system they have, I think they work on his shooting. I think you have the defensive mindset, the being able to take care of the basketball and just slide into a team culture. San Antonio is the best fit for that. So I'm going to take Trevor Keels to San Antonio at number 20. Number 21, we are at Denver. And for Denver, it's interesting. Uh, you know, you're supposed to hopefully have the return of a Michael Porter Jr. and, of course, a much bigger return in Jamal Murray. Uh, you already saw the MVP play of Nikola Jokic and guys who, you know, honestly could use some help. So looking at this team, let's get them some more wing depth. And let's go with Marjan Bochamp out of G League Ignite. I like Marjan. Uh, he's someone who is active, 6'7", 185. Uh, is going to definitely work. Has a great motor, I think. Good energy. Not the best shooter, but someone who will at least take the shot. Uh, athletic. And I think, you know, this is the right kind of slot for him. Mid to late first round is where I kind of see him going. Uh adequate mid-range shooter I think nice again in scoring on plays that don't need to be drawn up for him like he can just kind of get in there um rebound put backs that sort of thing and I think that he will thrive in that role um again this is for a Denver team that missed a type of play like a Jeremy Grant he doesn't have the offensive upside as of yet or the offensive game as of right now as a Jeremy Grant but I don't think it's hard to squint your eyes and imagine the upside that Bochamp could show on them the floor while still being that type of player in lanky, defensive-minded, kind of of jack-of-all-trades type of player that I think would work well in the Denver system. Uh, So I like his fit there going to the Denver Nuggets at number 21. So now we go to Memphis at number 22. And and looking at Memphis, uh, it's weird because... They got they got it all. They have a nice they got a nice little fit over there. Uh, you know they got cap space to play with to actually be a player in this year's free agency. We saw what they did if injuries didn't knock them down. Maybe they are the Western Conference representative in the finals. We don't know, right? So there's some thought there on what they could like get help with. I'm just gonna go with the player who hey could become a really cool. Um, uh, I don't want to say value add pick, a value pick, but a guy who could show some untapped potential and be a really solid player here. I'm gonna go with Jaden Hardy, the shooting guard from G League Ignite. I like Jaden Hardy's game. I think that he is underrated a little bit because yes, he did shoot 30% from three, but you look at his shot; it's very solid. You know, you look at his frame, his ability to get to the basket needs to work a little more control there, but. Uh, I like the fact that he can get there, that his dribble package is really solid. He makes great separation on his jumpers. He can just get into his bag, a little hezzy, a little between the legs, step back, boom, yak him. That, that's what he does, you know? He needs to be more consistent. Like I said, just hovering around 30% from three in the G League is not great. Under 40% from the floor is not great, but he's a better shooter than that. You watch the film, you can see that, and... Good ball handler. I've seen some nice secondary playmaking out of him as well. I like the potential fit of Hardy there. And, and there's a lot of shooting guards, you know, a lot of guards that kind of come to mind a little bit sooner. Uh, we already mentioned Johnny Davis and Malachi Branham. There's other guys as well. But for what I've seen from Jane Hardy, especially in a Memphis team that, like, they don't even really need a player like that. But, like, imagine if Jane Hardy, like, really flourishes alongside John Moran. Like, can you imagine the athleticism? Just the offense running down your throat. Uh, defensively, be some, some 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 growing pains, but the talent on that end alone would just be amazing. And this is with the Jaron Jackson Jr. as well, and the plethora of younger players that they already have all coming into their prime. I definitely like this fit as like a dream um, development spot 
for Hardy in a spot where he doesn't have too much expectation, but like, wow, the return on investment could be really, really big. So at 23, we have the Philadelphia 76ers, and honestly, I would have loved for them to taking uh, a Tari Eason or a Marjan Bochamp or even uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., but we're going to give them a Wendell Moore. Uh, the guard slash forward from Duke, 6'5", uh, junior. I think he's someone who has uh, decent uh, defensive versatility, good playmaking skills. He can play with or without the ball. You're on a 76 team right now that is built around Joel Embiid, first and foremost, and then, you know, whatever else you're getting from James Harden. So, you have them the profile as a volume scorer, but great passing, a good connector. Um, someone whose jump shot's getting better, I see as a great role player, and that's fine. Contending teams need those players, uh, and if you get an upgrade on a on a role player as Philadelphia here can, then why not? This is a guy who I think is going to be solid in his role, and that's what you want. So I'm going to take Wendell Moore uh, going to the Philadelphia 76ers at pick 23. For pick 24, we are looking at the Milwaukee Bucks, and honestly, I'm going to go with Nikola jo- Jovic. I said that right? N- Nikola... Nikola Jovic, yep, from uh, Mega Basket in Serbia. 6'11", uh, age, he's 18 years old, 220 pounds. Uh, this dude turns 19, or turned 19 just recently. Uh, he's going to be a jumbo forward with good perimeter skills. He can pass a little bit. He has a nice jumper. Uh, not the greatest of athletes, but in terms of fit, you get a size guy who can be an additional offensive initiator on a team that, let's be real, you're getting a lot of uh, usage, a lot of run on the offensive end from whatever Chris Middleton provides. Then you look at Giannis and what he brings to the offensive table in terms of not just his own offense, but others. And then you're looking, of course, um, at Drew Holiday. But you can always get more offensive initiation. I think we saw this most recently in the Bucks' uh, second-round loss to the Celtics. Like, it was Giannis, and it was Drew Holiday, and then it was uh, 1-800 pick-and-roll, you know, and there was no one on the line. So maybe you get a guy, Nikola Jovic, rather, who if he slips as far, especially with his size, come on now, there's super-sized lineups you can do with Milton, Giannis, and Jovic, you know, and, and Giannis will cover up for Jovic on the back end while Drew Holiday covers up for him on the perimeter, and at least Jovic can potentially hold his position. Yeah, I like this pick for Milwaukee. Um, again, that's if he's there, he looks in some mocks to be, project, to, be, to be projected to go in a little bit earlier. But if he's available at that pick, I think Milwaukee swoops him up. The Spurs are up next, and I, I like the play of Ochai Agbaji, uh, the small forward from Kansas. I, I like the fact that, yes, he's an older player. San Antonio's not necessarily scared of that. We've seen them draft um, younger in years past, but they've also had uh, players who, hey, if you can play the role, we'll get you on, you know? Uh, 18 points, 5 rebounds, uh, leading Kansas, obviously, the championship there. A solid guy who knows his role can knock down shots. Is this the pick uh, for San Antonio? I would imagine that they might go more for upside, but, like, okay, you got a lot of younger players. Like, let's get a guy here who, if you're trying to win or be competitive, comes in from a good system, knows how to fill another great system in San Antonio, and can bring the shooting that your team provides. Because San Antonio's been an abysmal outside shooting team over the last two to three years, you know? Um, we're not talking mid-range, DeMar DeRozan did well there, and, you know, DeJounte Murray tries to carry on the tradition, we're talking about from deep, you know, Lonnie Walker's been inconsistent, Derek White's in Boston, but he was inconsistent, uh, Patty Mills been gone for a year now, like, there's been uh, a lack of consistent outside shooting that we need to rectify if we're San Antonio, I think you do a nice pick, uh, there with Ochai Abaji, um, I was gonna go with another player as, as well, but we're gonna get to him actually next, um, with the 26th pick, and that's Dallas, and I like Caleb Houston. 
uh, the 6'8 forward out of Michigan. Decent shooter. I think that he does well off ball in motion, uh, moves well without the ball on offense. Um, and so he's able to get to open spots, which is the key when you're playing alongside Luka Doncic. Uh, solid defender. I think he's a good athlete. A little streaky on the shooting. Not really great with the first step off the dribble. Athletically, offensively, is not super great unless he's like a spot-up shooter. But he is a very solid spot shooter at that. And I think he will do uh, really decent in a Dallas system uh, with Jason Kidd, who has definitely improved him on the defensive side of the ball, but offensively knows his role will stay out of the way and won't really clash uh, with Luka Doncic. I don't think the Dallas Mavericks are going to find somebody that's going to be able to really take um, a lot of usage from Luka Doncic this late in the draft on ball. So focus on other guys who can keep that floor spread, uh, keep some competent shooters out there for Luka to work with on the offensive end. And then maybe in free agency or a trade, uh, you find a guy that's an upgrade over, uh, obviously, Spencer Dinwiddie, but maybe a Jalen Brunson, depending on what you do there. But that's what I uh, have there for Dallas at number 26. Miami at number 27. Now, this is an interesting uh, area for them because they can go a number of different ways. I don't. It's weird because I'm looking for players who fit, like, the heat culture and, like, the heat type of play, um, and it's not even that, but, like, are they going to keep their pick? I mean, I don't know what they're going to get, like, a tremendous value, um, trading it, but there's a few players who I think would work in that area for them. I'm ultimately going to go with Kendall Brown from Baylor, and Kendall Brown is probably not going to slide this far. I mean, it's potentially, uh, I guess a chance that he does, but I like Kendall Brown, um, as someone who is a elite-level athlete, uh, very energetic, solid all-around skills, versatile score, uh, you know, can collect steals and a good motor, and I think it's going to work well on a Miami Heat team that, come on now, everything I just said, like, does that not fit? Especially when you look at uh, just, what, today, well, yesterday, rather, on um, Pat Riley calling out Kyle Lowry for not being in shape. Like, bring in these more, these young guns, like, bring in this energy, these bucks that are going to get out there, not Milwaukee bucks, and really push the pace, push the tempo, play that Miami Heat style of play. You know, he brings on the defensive end, he can potentially guard one to four, that works perfectly in this switch-everything defense that so many teams are doing nowadays. I like Kendall Brown going to Miami at number 27. Number 28, we got Golden State, and honestly, your guess is as good as mine on that, but we're just going to take a chance on him. We're going to say, uh, you know what, J.D. Davidson, come on down. J.D. Davidson, point guard from Alabama, love the hair, 8 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists per game. Uh, needs to improve as a shooter, but someone who I like athletically, someone who I think um, is, is someone who can consistently get to the basket. Uh, I don't know if... I don't know. This is really more of a swing for the fences kind of pick here for me because I definitely need to go consult with my draft folks who know way more about the later picks than I do on who would fit on this Golden State team that is clearly, you know, kind of nurturing their young guys they already have that they have keyed in as potential um, successors to the Golden State Dynasty as well as the old guard that are currently still playing, you know? So it's really weird to kind of see where this late pick would go and what they would be expecting from that pick. But I think he's one of the bounciest guards we've had in a while. Um, almost reminds me of a little Dennis Smith Jr. Um, you know, he plays more like a wing, uh, can shoot the pull-up jumper, but he definitely needs to work on his outside shooting a little bit. But his natural strength, his vertical elevation, explosion, yeah, I think he's a nice player that if he's available for Golden State, uh, gives you a little more offensive-minded less defensive Gary Payton Jr. I guess that's not even Gary Payton at all, is it? Okay, point being, I like the fit of J.D. Davidson there, um, and it's a solid value play if he happens to be around there and Golden State happens to use 
their pick. 29, Memphis is back. And you know what? Let's let's go with um, Kennedy Chandler, point guard for Tennessee. Uh, solid guard. Again, guy, I love his um, profile in terms of being, he's only 6'1", 170, but when you look at him and you see the way he plays, the dude is going to find his way to the basket. You know, he's someone that plays with that athleticism, that kind of inner, I don't want to say inner force, but he's dynamic, you know, um, really good uh, quickness. I love his feel for the game and what I've seen, and his shooting isn't horrible either. Now, mind you, I'm looking around, I've seen some M- NBA draft, and it's not great for comparison. They have Mario Chalmers. It's not what I've seen. I'm, I'm not a draft expert, but that's not what I've seen, but he can shoot the ball uh, pretty decent. He became much more comfortable in his jumper uh, later on in the season. He's small for a guard, you know, um, and his frame on the defensive side might be an issue. And he's also someone who, you know, shooting the, shooting the free throw has not been great, even though shooting the three has been decent for him. But again, we are late in the draft here. Um, and this is the Round Ball Ramble draft 1.0. Like, it only gets better from here, y'all. So, you know, <laughs> rock with me on that, y'all. Holla at your boy. Okay, really don't if you hate it. And then, um, last but not least, 30th pick, Oklahoma City. This pick comes from the Phoenix Suns, and I am going to go with Christian Colocolo. Coloco. I don't know why I keep saying Colocolo. Christian Coloco from Arizona, just your prototypical big. 6'10", 230, can rebound, dunk the ball hard, you know, I don't know about the, the upside from that, but hey, there is value to be had in a big guy who knows how to play like a big man, right? And I think in Coloco, you get that. Um, you get someone who, if you're looking for a banger, potentially, to play alongside Chet Holmgren, would probably be that guy, potentially speaking, you know? And I, I, I like him somewhere in the second round, but personally, at 30, we are close enough that I don't think it matters, and I think that OKC might trade this pick away anyway. So, that's... Whew, that is the Round Ball Ramble Mock Draft 1.0. That was a mouthful. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, going to make it a little more succinct if I can. I don't know how the draft experts do it because I watch the videos and everything, and they got like 30-minute videos, and they've covered 58 prospects. And I'm like, okay, y'all, let's see what I can do. And here we are. But you know what? You live, you learn, you try to improve. This is helpful for me. I'm trying to learn how to refine my own scouting process, how to uh, examine team fit and how players find their way, you know, onto a team and what role that has in team building in terms of, hey, we can take X, Y, and Z type player and they can flourish. Or we can only take this type of player in this specific role to get the best out of them that will help our team. This type of exercise is good for me to continue to kind of work my gears a little bit more on that side. And so I'm excited to kind of continue to do so. And hey, listen, I, if any, if anything else, I'll be able to look back on my other mock drafts uh, through the years and go, hey, I got way better from when I said, let's go draft Dennis Smith Jr. number one. For the record, I never said that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank y'all again for hanging with me here on this mock draft 1.0. I'll be doing one one a week. So we'll be getting uh, mock draft 2.0 next week and then the week of the draft. The day before is when I want to drop the final one. So definitely excited for that. Um, make sure to follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Uh, NBA, WNBA, Big 3, all the takes, all the time on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Definitely appreciate y'all there. Uh, check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Really appreciate y'all rocking with me. Hope that y'all having a very blessed day, evening, morning, whenever y'all listen to this. I hope it's going well for you. And until next time, y'all, I am Frosty. Y'all stay frosty. And I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.
This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.